the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I am co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Just remember, the time to set up your line of credit uh, is today, not when the emergency emergency actually comes up, which is certainly what we learned in the COVID pandemic era. Um, Today, I am excited to be speaking with Eric Thomas. Eric is a partner at Armanino and has more than 20 years of serving uh, has more than 20 years of experience serving nonprofit organizations since joining Armamino he has focused on helping nonprofits with their finance and accounting needs so they can concentrate on developing the org- their organization and delivering on their mission he works with a diverse group of clients on their digital transformation and believes that regardless of size and age organizations can benefit from inc incorporating enterprise best accounting practices through a solution that uses cloud technology and paperless processes. Prior to joining Armamino, Eric led accounting and finance functions at Robert Half, Analytics Services, and Circo North America. He received a BS in business administration from West Virginia University Eric, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thanks, Stephen. It's really great to be talking with you today. So this is a great topic, you know, um, and and the reason why I think it's, you know, one of the things I like about it is, you know, we do a lot of podcasts and this is a a, a more unique topic. And I think it's something that, um, you know, is really, really a, a good topic to focus on, which is how outsourcing can help your nonprofit do more with less. So, you know, when you, when you kind of thought about this topic, uh, you know, when we kind of thought about putting it together, what was, why was it something that you think it was so important? Well, the reason it's important is that there's, I think two big drivers. Um, most local and regional nonprofits that make the biggest impact in their communities do not have the sufficient scale to support the back office services that they need. Um, they're not the United Way, they're not Red Cross, um, but they still need to be able to report to uh, external parties, to their board, uh, to the IRS, and they need to be able to get uh, immediate, accurate information to make good financial decisions. Um, and it's really hard for them to do that when they are, you know, two to eight million in revenue or operating budget. And then the other is that, um, you know, whatever the merits are, the primary uh, measurement of a nonprofit's success is not the impact, but also 
but more of the uh, expense ratio. And so to, to adequately staff a back office that just skewers their expense ratios, so then they're unwilling to do it. And so with the uh, arrival of cloud-based technology, you know, really leveraging the internet, um, they're able to now um, outsource not only the people doing it, but also their technology. So they can outsource a tech stack and a service stack to a service provider and really get um, the ability to right size their back office support. So let's define, I mean, take a step back and define what outsourcing is. Yeah, so outsourcing used to mean offshoring, right? And so this is not necessarily that. I would certainly some entities go offshore, but there is um, a massive growth in the space of um, onshore uh, firms that provide um, services to clients that are outside their core competency. So if I'm a local um social or human services organization, my core competency is making an impact in my community. It's not accounting. And so then just like I outsource payroll, I outsource, I don't have the need for a a legal department. So I outsource my part-time legal needs. You know, they look to outsource accounting because it's primarily compliance. They look to outsource HR because uh, they don't have a need for an HR department. And so what they're doing is outsourcing um, back office functions, not programmatic functions, but back office functions so that they're um, really removing the distractions of compliance, what have you, um, and then leveraging external expertise rather than developing the expertise internally. Yeah. What, what do you, you know? What, what do you think are some of the key things that smaller nonprofits um, don't think about outsourcing, which they could? Well, there's a, a number of things. I, you know, really, I, I go to the extreme and I, I say if it's not a core competency of your organization, if it's not programmatic development or mission related, you should pay a professional to do it. Just like you don't change the oil in your car, you bring it to someone that just changes oil all day. I think if you're, if it's not why you started the organization or why you joined the organization, you should look to outsource it. That can be um, marketing, accounting, human resources, certainly legal, um, strategy, you know, annual um, strategic financial planning sessions. Like, do you do you really need a CFO to come up with a long-term strategic plan for you, or do you need a part-time CFO to come in and help you with that? So, I, I would say, um, as people are putting together their annual plan, their five-year vision, to really look at what defines their organization and what supports uh, their community. And if it's not that, take a hard look at at um, other alternatives, um, which is could be outsourcing, to to uh, solve that need so that uh, you can focus on that mission. It's a good exercise because if you think about it, so like you know we're in the midst of the pandemic, right? Right. It's, it's hopefully going to be over 
soon, uh, as at least the way it stood. Um, it's a good exercise to kind of take your operation, break it down to like all its different parts and say, what part of this operation could I outsource and what solutions would there be out there? Because on top of outsourcing would be um, partnering too, right? So like, let's say you have a full-time bookkeeper and maybe you don't have enough work for that full-time bookkeeper anymore. So, you know, maybe you can share that with another nonprofit. That's, you know, a form of outsourcing that maybe you can do it because let's face it, nonprofits and businesses right now are all under the gun to cut costs. And so, you know, looking at these options of outsourcing of uh, uh, an exercise in it uh, and partnering in those things it really opens up the door to saying, well, you know, where could I cut my costs here? And let's face it, cutting costs means that you can do more for your clients. You know, if, if we can use that word to really describe the people that you're trying to help as a nonprofit. What do you think about yeah. that whole idea? Oh, I, I agree. I, so there are a couple of things there. I think as they look at, you know, what their options are, they need to look at what their own culture is and look for service providers that fit that culture uh, and their needs. So certainly for some, uh, a bookkeeper, you know, a single shingle type person can fit just like a single shingle IT person can help um, or uh, an independent attorney and others may need a little bit more and may need a full service provider. You know, they're joining what's effectively a shared service center. Um, for IT, for marketing, for legal, for accounting, HR. Um, so there, there's that's one of the decisions. But also, you know, it's it's you're, you're you can reduce costs, you can improve services, but a big part is um, the employee risk mitigation, yeah. because often these organizations are small enough that. Uh, if there's not a, an existing department for whatever they're looking to outsource, um, how are they able to accurately identify the appropriate skill set that they need, verify that the candidate has that if they're, if they're hiring employees, and then retain that employee? Because, you know, if you're local, you're probably not growing. Uh, your good qualified employees are going to look for a career path that includes growth, unless they're just, you find that diamond in the rough that is outstanding and just believes in the mission. If you don't, it's hard to, you know, attract, hire, and then retain the really good people. Um, and then, you know, if you get them, then you still have to deal with uh, employee risk, raises, um, employee risk like leave, FMLA, PTO. Um, you know, by outsourcing, you kind of remove or you effectively remove or sub substantially mitigate that employee risk um, by putting it on your outsourcing provider. And I think that's, yeah, that's a really important thing that people don't think about when they, when they look at this. So you can hire people to do your mission and they'll stay and be passionate about a work, the work. It's really hard for your back office function. Yeah. Yeah, that, that type of thing you're talking about is called a, a, a PPO, right? Uh, so they'll take over your uh, – your. It, it's a different type of thing, but it's a 
you know, human resources function where your your employees will be put on someone else's payroll. Also, and they'll prom- yeah, there's, there is that PEO function, but then you can also keep them as employees, um, hire an HR of course. consultant company that will supply it as you need it because, you know, you do, do you need someone full time to, to deal with that? Probably not until you get to a certain size. Yeah, I, I, like I'll share with the listeners one of the wrong thought process I had had uh, when I uh, had w- you know one of my companies. I've had a number of them, and I used to think the more employees I had, the more successful I was. And you know, over a period of time, I realized that was definitely not the right way of thinking. And certainly, the more employees you have, the more problems you have. And certainly the more cost, but regardless, um, you know, the ability for a nonprofit to be nimble and because you just never know where your funding is going to come from and it can often change. And also with many smaller nonprofits, your funding comes from, you know, a very select few amount of areas. And if that funding changes, you know, it really can cause you to have to lay people off, and you know, it's not a, it's not the, it's not the funnest thing when you have to let people go. And then the second thing is, Eric, you know, I think we see this too with, you know, nonprofits especially, is their employees are often uh, needing the nonprofit services. Uh, not so, so to speak, in, in great detail, but they're usually you're usually sometimes have people working in nonprofits that have issues that are that you're willing to look past because you know that they really really need that job. Have you seen that yourself? Well, certainly. Um, if you think about r- religious organizations or faith based organizations, most of their back office staff um, are parishioners. Mm. Um, same thing with, uh, the health, health and human services, right? That's how they become aware of the organization. They get really passionate and they want to contribute. And so you've got somebody that is all in on the mission, but may, may not be all in on the skill set. Um, and so is, that's great for the person. It's good for the organization, but could you redirect that person into more, uh, mission facing activities, uh, by outsourcing. So what we see often is um, someone is trying to make a situation that you just described work, and then um, there's a new board treasurer, someone identifies that, you know, your your organization is solid, you're really getting underserved. Why don't we we outsource this to experts and then repurpose that person? So it's not a cost-cutting um, by any means, it's applying a skill set uh, more appropriately to the organization's needs. Yeah, I think there's uh, a multitude of scenarios where outsourcing is considered. Uh, where you like one would be it that you are you have to cut costs because you're you're not going to be around. You can't afford to pay maybe people if you're if the money's not coming in. That's you know that's it's a crappy situation, but it's just what happens sometimes. Um, the second one is where you can get ahead of the game and you can see that you can get better service or you can uh, get a lower cost. And then you can, you know, re put that person in another position, you know, which is 
is a little bit nicer way to put it that in there. Um, when 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 you in your experience, uh, you know wait, wait, what has the question? I want to um, just add something to that. Yeah, I'm pretty please. sure most of your audience are executive directors. They are. And, They're executive, yeah, the executive directors and board members. And, yeah. and board members. So I want to say that conversation to have with a, uh, I, I like to think of us as a partner, but we are essentially a vendor. But to have that conversation with a vendor to say, look, we lost a grant. Uh, this donation did not come through. We need to scale back is a much easier conversation to have than the furlough, the layoff conversation, as well as um, if you have temporary surges for events or for seasonality to say, look, I need you to provide more services rather than going through the exercise of finding uh, temporary employees and then vetting them and getting them on board and trained or educated. That's super hard. Um, it, it can relieve a lot of stress and um, obligation by uh, by using the outsourcing solution rather than employees for those tasks. Yeah, I guess if sometimes if you see a nonprofit um, executive director go start another nonprofit, if they have a lot of experience, they kind of learned their lessons about how quickly to staff up and to look more for outsourcing, I guess, in general. The more experience you have, the more you know that outsourcing is a good, a better potential solution. I mean, would you agree with that? Oh, certainly. Um you know, it's a for-profit, but you can go to the extreme of a story like Instagram where there was four employees and, and they, they, they outsourced everything, right? They used Amazon Web Services. You know, you know none of those four people were um, HR people or legal. They were all developers, product salespeople, and then they sold for a billion dollars. They, they outsourced everything. Um, that's an extreme case, but... I find that the more times people have been through creating organizations, the more open they are to outsourcing and setting it up right correctly um, or correctly the first time um, rather than, you know, staffing up and then, and then trying to correct later. Yeah. So let's take a scenario that I think we see often. And that is a lot of times executives, and I don't care if you're in the nonprofit world or the for-profit world, you know, they lack the skills sometimes from a technology perspective. And what I mean by that is not not just that they don't aren't able to use it as much because they're dealing with other issues, that they don't even know there's a solution in regards to, let's say, in this case, outsourcing that could solve a problem. So let's say if you if you if an executive director or a board member is sitting there saying, you know what, I buy into this outsourcing thing, at least it's worth investigating. Um but I'm not really technical, and I don't. I, I really don't know what's out there. Um, where would you suggest you start? Well, that's part of the vetting process of the outsourcing um, provider. You should be able to get not only only a service stack, but a tech stack. Uh, I, I, my favorite example in this situation um, is an HRRS, so a Human Resources Information System. Most people are using a cabinet. They're using, um, they've cobbled together some Excel files, maybe some Word docs. Um, every time they want to run a report, it's starting from the beginning out of their payroll system. Um, 
when you look at that and you say, you know, what I really need is technology to keep this organized, you can get that along with the HR function if you go to the right service provider because they're going to use an HRIS, HRIS to, you know, manage, collect, and organize your employee information so that you don't have to. And so part of that conversation with your um, outsourcing um, prospects, you know, what you're really trying to do is solve for people, process, and technology. So they should be able to eloquently describe, you know, how their people are going to help you, what their processes are, and then the technology they use to serve, and then why their technology is the appropriate fit for your organization. Yeah, I think too, like one of the things that people might want to do is look at their, um, you know, the business term as an income statement. Uh, but, you know, in general, look for, look at all their expenses and, and look in the categories and, and, and see where in each one of the categories, um, if you go onto Google and just, you know, see what outsourcing solutions might be of option there. Um, or like you said, talk to your accountant or Eric, even give you a call and kind of talk to you about the idea. Hey, you know, what do you think? Where could we cut some costs here? I mean, would, uh, is that something that you would kind of, uh, do? Yeah, I think, so there's the cost cutting feature, but also, um, the, the service yeah. level because, you know, often, um, in my role, people come to us not because they're, you know, the, it's cutting costs, but also we're, we're paying too much and we're getting underserved. So if you have someone internally that's doing your accounting, your HR as their part-time job, you're probably getting underserved. Um, at the same time, if you're, if you've hired someone to do everything that they need to do in that function, you're probably overpaying, right? So if, if you think about all the IT needs uh, an organization would have to pay for somebody that can handle all that, that has that skill sets, or that skill set is going to be pretty expensive. Um, so most of the time you're overpaying so that you can have the skill set uh, when you need it. That applies to HR, it applies to legal, marketing, and accounting. Um, when you look to outsource, then you can right-size those needs. And so once you look at um, the full-time pay, the benefits that are provided, it'll also it'll often save you money, but in the end, you end up getting uh, a better service as well because you're able to right-size it to that function, um, that right-size the function to the amount that you need when you need it. And, and that's really hard to do with the employee model because, you know, if they're a full-time employee, um, you've either got to pay them to do it the whole time or it's going to be a part-time job for them while they're doing something else. And if it's part-time, it's going to get part of their only part of their attention. Yeah. The other issue you have sometimes is, um, you know, let's say you have someone who's full-time, but they're the only one at your, at your nonprofit that does what they do. If they leave, you're in trouble. You know, when you're, when you outsource it, uh, you know, that's really the outsourcing uh, company's responsibility to make sure that they have a backup plan, you know, uh, for their person or their solution, yeah. you know, and that's, that's always a big issue when you're talking about small 
uh, nonprofits where you have people who are who uh, really are critical to the operation. Yeah. So the the catalyst for people coming to talk to me is almost always uh, turnover. So I, uh, um, in some cases, you have a new board treasurer um, that comes in and says, you know, we're we're just not getting the financial information we need. That's rare, but most often it's because if you think about our aging population, someone is retiring or someone has left. And the, the best and worst thing that can happen to a small organization is one employee doing a job extremely well for 15 years, right? Because they've got it all dialed in. It's all in their head. They've got all that institutional knowledge and the organization just thrives. They've got this great situation. But when that person leaves, it is very traumatic to the or, to the organization because they lose all that institutional knowledge. You just can't document everything someone has learned over 10 to 15 years, where everything is, how it works, who the key people are to deal with. And so to transition that can be extremely hard. And often um, the next person, if they hire, is just set up to fail because unless they have a very long grace period, it's just so hard to get up to speed where that other person is. And so sometimes they come to us because they've hired that second person that didn't work out. And they say, you know what, we need some continuity here. And then it's really kind of a continuing operation planning disaster recovery so that if something happens to our people, this function keeps going because the knowledge is retained by multiple people at an outside organization. Yeah. Your, your firm, your firm, Armanino, um, you're, you're a CPA firm or a consulting firm. So you're doing a great job on the pronunciation. A lot of people really struggle with that. I've been called Armadillo. No, it's amazing. Um, We are a a full service CPA and consulting firm. So we do audit services, um, attestation, tax, consulting, system implementations, management consulting, outsourcing, business management, uh, marketing, and wealth management. So full service firm, if, if you have an, a business problem that needs a solution, we can probably help you. Yeah. And it's not unusual for you to deal with smaller nonprofits, correct? That is correct. I, mean, I, I know, I know it's not your biggest clients, but, uh, but you know, uh, having a nonprofit that's under 5 million come to you is not out of the ordinary. No. So by client count, we have over a thousand nonprofits as clients. So it is our large largest client base uh-huh. and um you know our audit profile client tends audit tax tends to be 10 million and up you know it can be very very large on the nonprofit side but on the consulting side um, they're coming to us because they need help to do more with less like we've talked about so they tend to be between 3 million and 10 million um, because they don't have that scale to insource and build out uh, an accounting department, an HR department. And so uh, they've come to us either to um, outsource it all together, to outsource an implementation of a cloud-based technology uh, for a strategy and transformation consultation to help them get to where they want to be. But yeah, we, we work all day long with um, that 5 to $10 million range nonprofit. 
So uh, uh, executive directors are usually the ones that contact you or board members? Um, it can be both uh, executive directors, um, operations managers, uh, and, and board members. So with the board members, it's usually someone that's coming that's new. Um, with the executive directors, it's um, you know it's usually that they've realized they've run, they've gone as far as they can with what they currently have, and again that's the people, processes, our technology. Um, so many organizations are going through a digital transformation now as they're realizing I've got to get away from this server-based um, applications. I've got to get something that's cloud that is uh, less money to maintain that's um, can can grow with me and and kind of set it and forget it and stop you know printing paper printing checks what have you um, the the board members often come because uh, as you at the smaller level right they're often not nonprofit experts they are people that are passionate but um, are financial people are technology people and then they realize what they don't know and they say we've got to get someone that can run this and kind of translate to um, from the nonprofit speak into the you know corporate financial speak and, and make that transition because that can be super hard for the executive director, um, the operations people that are passionate about the mission but may not know how to communicate um, financially with uh, a board or certain people on the board. So, I mean, I have to ask this question because, I mean, you get the, one of the advantages you have when you uh, let's use this term correctly when you when you outsource something and you you work with a company like um, Armanino uh, that you you know that you work for and and work with you Eric one of the advantages you have you, is you have the you, you have different clients coming to you and so you you build this wealth of experience because you're not just dealing with one company, you're dealing with a whole bunch of different nonprofits. And so then you can kind of go back and share that information uh, with your client. And so what is going on right now that you've seen that's been since COVID just, you know, this is not outsource related, uh, may not be, but what's the biggest thing that you've really seen that clients are coming to you now and saying, uh, I need a solution for this or, uh, you know, how do I handle this or, you know, what's the big thing going on in the past year? Well, in, in April through June um, was the initial wave. It's still happening as people accepted that they needed to be able to, they had to find a solution that enabled them to work remotely. Hmm. Um, and so what that typically mean, like, what does that mean to a lot of people? It means ideally we get to paperless where we're not writing checks where we're able to share information without paper. Um, we can get information into and out of our systems um, remotely and communicate with each other. And so some of that is, you know, help us put together a roadmap to get there, you know, for larger, more methodical um, organizations. But some are just like, we need to make this change now. Can you help us immediately? Because um, we have to, you know, make payroll in a virtual environment. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that was really big. And now I think it's people are, you know, to some extent they're they're planning for returning to work. Um, but they're now that they've um, proven that they can work remotely, or that most of the people can work remotely most of the time, 
It's okay, this works. Now, how can we shift our resources in this new environment? Maybe we don't need as much office space. We can put this rent money towards something else. And yeah. so it's to do more and less, you now that it's proven out that you um, have less or you can operate with less, what do you do with those resources to best um, put them to use to push forward the mission? Did you did you find a number of nonprofits coming to you to to help with the PPP money? Gosh, PPP. Um, <laughs> yes. So that's yeah. been an enormous. Um, if you go to our website, we have I think well over a hundred articles on PPP, um, PPP two, and ERC. And uh, so I. Was, yeah, I was hoping to get away without talking about PPP, but the big <laughs> well, thing about watching. PPP that I would want everyone to hear is that um, the employee retention credit was only available to people that did not get a PPP loan. Um, that has since changed. And so now, and that, that was really a shame because the organizations that needed the ERC, which is if you kept people um, during the pandemic employed, but they were underutilized, and you can show that through contributions, through um, your programmatic expenses, but you kept them on, you can get a substantial credit um, for that. And so what that means is um, because you couldn't apply with, you couldn't get PPP and the ERC, and now that's changed. So everyone is now, okay, I got the PPP. How can I get the ERC? Um we have built up a, an entire team of people that have either been hired or, and a lot of them have been allocated from other positions to help clients with, with that. I think we're helping like 350 clients so far with their PPP and ERC needs. Yeah, I think it ends um, unless they extend it March 31st for PPP2, correct? It, it ends, but then they have, you know, and the challenge with this um, is that the regulations are changing. Uh, they've slowed down. They were changing daily. It feels like it's weekly now. Yeah. But you have up to 10 months after the end to submit. And and then so there's people that have prepared their forgiveness application. They're ready. And the banks are just now accepting them. Um, and then there's people that aren't quite through um, with the original round. So we feel that people PPP is going to be at the front of everyone's mind well to the end of this year. Yeah, I mean, we've been because uh, we provide a line of credit to nonprofits. We've been, you know, just as busy. Even though people, um, some people of nonprofits can get you know the PPP money, they've realized to have a good backup plan. You know, kind of put the forefront in in front of them, saying, "Wow, we 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 need to have some backup plans here." And then you know, some nonprofits have actually done very well, and so they don't uh, they don't qualify for the PPP two program. So, uh, you know, there's, we're still been very active in approving clients. And, um, so it's, it's been an interesting, certainly a uh, year and stuff like that for everybody, but it's kind of all the time we have for today. So, you know, I would like to thank uh, Eric, you so very much for coming on today's pod- podcast. It's very unique. It was really good information. I thought. Thank you for having me, Steve. I, I, I can talk about out, outsourcing all day. Uh, yeah. One of my biggest convictions is that if it's not your core competency, pay someone else to do it for you. So yeah. thank you for having me on to talk about it. Great. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. 
If you like today's uh, podcast, also please give us a review on your podcasting app to get help us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Eric, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Um, you can go to armaninollp.com is our website. So I'm there and all of our partners. You can also contact me at eric.thomas at uh, armaninollp.com. Great. You know, I always say this at the end of my podcast, and I always mean, mean it very sincerely. For all of our listeners, thank you for making the world a better place. We certainly have need that. And uh, going forward, we're going to need it even more. So thank you for coming on uh, today, Eric, and everybody have a great day. 